Hey folks, and welcome to Hey Adora, your queer She-Ra podcast. My name is Force Captain Meth, they them. And I am Princess Jenny, she-her. Today we are going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 9, No Princess Left Behind, or... Okay, you know what? This episode is like a super bummer, so it doesn't get a cute name. I mean, it's only a bummer at the end, but I'm, I'm fine with, you know, not having a cute name for an episode that ends with the apparent situation of death. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have Maybe. to have a cutesy name for that. That actually might be the name of the episode. The apparent situation of <laughs> death. That's perfect, right? No Princess Left Behind was written by Sonia Warfeld, storyboard by Angela Kim, Diane Ha, and Sam Szymanski, and directed by Stephanie Stein. <sighs> hey, Jenny. Hey, Meth. Are you hungover from prom? I am so hungover from prom. Um, yeah. It's a it's a common experience and a rite of passage, they say. Yeah, it's true. It was the party kale room, you know? Like I I didn't really take take part in the wine bar with Natasha and Spinarella, but you know. Yeah. But it's good that we have a not so super duper intense episode this week. I mean, it's pretty super duper intense here. At the end, only at the end, yo. And okay. Well, anyway, there's a lot of fun to be had along the way. It's a bit of a romp. It's a bit of a romp. There is rompage. There is much rompage, and then absolutely much depresso. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, if for people watching for the first time, nobody knows that it's going to be bummer depresso until the end. That's true. So, that is true. you know, right. we got a lot of different situations going on here. Can I say some situations that we have going on here before we dive in? You go right ahead. All right. So this is the one where the sword passes between Catra and Adora for the first time. And I do feel like oh. that has some sub- symbolic significance. Yeah. Catra yes. starts to accept that she'll never get what she wants or needs from Shadow Weaver in mm-hmm. terms of parental approval. And, you know, she certainly doesn't reach any conclusions. That's a long road, but she starts to accept that for the first time. Right. Katra chooses her own journey over continuing codependence with Adora for the first time when she tells her to get out of here. Okay. We can debate that more when we get there also. Okay. Adora does a mission entirely as herself, relying mm-hmm. on Adora's skills and knowledge without she being involved. Yep. Right? Okay. The yep. Princess Alliance does their inaugural mission as a group. With mixed results. With mixed results. And the Princess Alliance faces their first real loss of life, or so they think. All right. All right. Those are all the things that are going on in this episode, big picture wise, in the brain of Jenny. Works for me, dude. And there's a lot of fun, smaller things. All right, so uh, scene opens in the fright zone, huh? And this Catra mm-hmm. has the garnet sh- chamber in the black garnet chamber in the fright zone, and Catra's got the sword. Actually, I would really like to take just a second to talk about that opening shot sure. because it's not just oh, Catra has the sword. First, we just see the sword mm-hmm. by itself. Well, we don't and even see it see- first, right? We see darkness and hear the sword first. Yes. Even better. But then we see the sword. The sword is the first thing we see. Mm-hmm. And then we see Catra's face reflected in the sword. Yep. And she's laughing and she is like overjoyed. So I just felt like there was some narrative or symbolic implication of this being the choice they made for the opening shot. Instead of just seeing like Catra holding the sword, we see Catra's reflection in the sword. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, 
These are just thoughts. They're not definitive. I was wondering if that had to do with some symbolic representation about how the sword needs both Catra and Adora in it or to pass through both of them in order to have it be balanced. Um, Because in the end, it does take both of them to save the universe. Um, And it does pass between them a couple of times. Ooh, I like that. And it's important for Adora to have to test herself and and do some do some skills and some journeys as herself without Shira. Hmm, I do like that. I like that how you take like a macro approach to that. Yeah, what was your thought? So mine was a little bit more on the micro side. So uh, I mm-hmm. have that Catrice starts the episode in the reflection of Adora's sword in the Black Garnet Chamber under the watchful eye of Shadow Weaver. And her conflict throughout this is that she is always going to be a pale reflection of Adora in the eyes of Shadow Weaver. Oh, I love that. So I, love I, that. I went a little micro with this. You went a little no, macro. I love it. That's perfect. I mean, that's one of the ways that we complement each other. I love what you said too. Oh, yay, smarts. Yes. And Katra is fucking gleeful in this scene. Oh my She's gosh. She's beaten Adora at, for once at something. And she is just savoring this moment. Catra Joy is so rare on the show, and it's really yes. lovely to see. And this is joy. This is actual joy. This is real joy. But she still wants Shadow Weaver to validate her joy. She wants Shadow Weaver's validation and praise Mm -hmm. to make her joy complete. Check this out, Shadow Weaver. I succeeded where even you failed. And then before they have time to really get into that with each other, boom, Big Daddy's on screen. Yep. And Big Daddy's like, yo, look what you did. This is great. We talked to Angela. She's going to surrender the forces. And Shadow Weaver's like, yeah, I crushed it. (laughs) Catch is like, what? What? Huh? And I mean, I thought it was pretty clear the whole time that he was only talking to Shadow Weaver. Yeah, oh, definitely. she was taking all the credit. It wasn't like a big reveal right at the end. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, her response to Catra after Hordak is off the screen when she was, Catra's like, what the fuck, yo? I did all that shit. And she Mm -hmm. says, well, you're under my command. Anything you do is credited to me. I mean, in military terms, that is kind of true, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, in pure it, military terms. In pure military terms, this is absolutely correct. But so Shadow Weaver's response is so interesting. She says, sometimes that's just the way of things. And I wish I could duplicate her voice, but I am no Lorraine Toussaint. No, L- Lorraine Toussaint you know? crushes it in this episode. Yes, yes. So I really feel like in this scene is is when maybe the first little seeds of Catra realizing that she's never going to get what she needs or wants from Shadow Weaver. It's just the beginning because it's going to go agree. so much further towards the end of the episode. Yep, I agree. I think this is when um, she finally starts to realize it. Yeah. And then, of course, the big reveal in the last moments of that scene is there's Glimmer chained up in that evil living red energy. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the same evil living red energy that Shadow Weaver also uses on Catra. Yep. She restrains Glimmer with dark magic. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And then we go to some credits. Yeah, da-da-da. We're going to win in the end. Do they? We'll find out. Maybe they won't. Maybe they won't. Oh, before we go there, I wanted to kind of comment on the, the fade out after, you know, 
Shadow Weaver does her incredible villain as welcome to the Fright Zone princess. Oh, and yes. the fade out is just this swarming shadows with it's like a an inky blackness into a fade to black, but it's like yeah. swarming with gr- like the the colors of magic and the colors of the yes. Fright Zone and it's green and it's white yes. and it just you are takes over. And we're engulfed yes. by the shadow and it's dope. Yeah. That is dope. I concur. Dopeness concurred. (laughs) Check. Check. So now post-credits, we find ourselves in the Bright Moon War Room. Yep. And I love the opening visual on this scene, too. Mm -hmm. Immediately, we see this big, impressive, beautiful room that's totally empty except for one person. Yeah. It's Queen Angie, and she's just slumped over that table in a position of total despair. Yeah, I mean, she's... Anyone looking at this could see that, yes, that person is slumped in defeat and despair, whatever you want to call it. They're not, they're not preparing for, you know, victorious battle. No, and they're slumped, they're slumped under the, under the mural of their last worst battle too, right? That's right. So she's, and she's slumped under the mural of Mike and, uh... Mm-hmm. you know, mourning the loss of, of her own child. So, you know, surrounded right. by her failures. Right. Well, she's not mourning the loss of her child yet because Glimmer's not dead. But she's reacting. She feels, she might feel like Glimmer is dead, but Glimmer is not dead. Yeah. Well, yes. Agreed. And and she's she's mourning the loss of the rebellion, though, again. You know, like she is going to bargain with, with Hordak and then that would be the death of the rebellion. Just Yeah. I mean, so much turmoil. Yep. Really sucks. Angie. We feel for you, Angie. We We really feel for you. But then Adora enters and she also blames herself for everything, just like Angie blames herself for everything. Adora blames herself because she lost the sword to Catra when she was distracted by leg fucking and sexy, confusing dance fighting. So now there's no (laughs) She-Ra, right? I mean, you have a vague memory of that. Can you, can, can you, I can't remember any of that happening. No, I mean, it's all a blur. But it's all Angie a blur. blames herself because she approved the mission. Adora blames herself because she lost the sword or had the sword taken from her either way. So they both don't blame each other. They both only blame themselves. Mm-hmm. And Adora wants to help so badly. Angie is saying she's going to give herself up to Hordak because she can't lose Glimmer. Glimmer's all that she has left. Gasp, gasp. Adora says... They can't just give up. Yep. It's like, you know, Adora's like, there's there's no guarantee they're going to hold up their end of the bargain. Exactly. So there's has to be another way. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's always, you know, that's Adora. She's, she's going to run into the fray and try to make sure that they win in the end no matter what, you know. Right. And this is familiar territory for Adora. She knows the fright zone. She can go mm-hmm. in and rescue them as herself, even without mm-hmm. the sword. She doesn't know how yet, but she knows that she can do it. Exactly. When we see her resolve, we see it as I called it her uh, Adora's guilt and sense of duty fist. Oh, yes. That is apt. So uh, her resolve is first shown like, you know, very in the clenching of a fist, which is a pretty solid symbol. Also, remember that this show uses the symbolism of the hands so, so, so much because hands hands are um, often the symbol of action. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and so this is when we see Adora's resolute fist. Yeah. So. And I think you're really right to frame it that way. It's her guilt and duty mm-hmm. rather than just Seahawk on to action. Oh my God, Seahawk. You know, because that really is what motivates her. Yep. 
Yep, guilt um, and sense it's, of duty. It's a different framing, but it's a very similar objective. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she's just assured Angie she she can do it. And as soon as she walks into the hallway, she slumps. And immediately it's like, I don't know if I can do it. You can just see that mm-hmm. in the change of body language. But then immediately enter the Princess Alliance. It's Perfuma, Mermista, Seahawk, and Entrapta. Yay! And I love that Seahawk is like part of the princess alliance yeah i do too on his own he's just not like as like mermista's whatever but he's just like i am part of this alliance adventure yeah he just wants to be part of the team as always yeah and i love that about him that and his mustache oh oh yeah i love it too he is always up to do whatever needs to be done to help the team which, as we're going to see a little bit later, has its pluses and its minuses. Oh, of course, of course. But his heart is always in the right place. His heart is in the right place, and so are the rest of the princesses. So they're here. You know, Mermista's pretty solid. The, the Horde took one of our own. We're here for our mm-hmm. first mission. Let's go do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is so good for Adora's journey of healing, specifically. Yep. You don't have to do everything by yourself. Because she was clearly going to go off and try to figure out how to do it by herself. Yep. It's okay to need help. It's okay to ask for help. This is how it's going to be now. This is an alliance. That's a really hard this lesson to learn. This is a group situation. It is a very hard lesson. <laughs> yeah, it's a really hard lesson. Many, many of us. Yes. Many yes, of it us. Is. Many of us. Both of us Both in of the us. Zoom room. Both of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably a lot of people listening can relate. Oh, but definitely. I can't speak on everyone's behalf. But I think I think we know each other enough to know that it's definitely both we of us. We certainly do. We <laughs> certainly do. Um, Shall we meander over yeah. to the Fright Zone prison or do you have more thoughts? No, I'm ready. I just says, oh, hell yes, pals. Adora has oh, pals. Yeah. Let's go back to the Fright Zone. Okay, Fright Zone prison. So I had a hard time trying to like write down like what is this prison how do you verbally explain what it looks like it's like this borg cube-esque type of construction i just put it looks like the inside of the death star oh inside the death star sure that works it's you know bathed in trademark green horde light yep it's like the middle is empty except for this one central column and it's got this catwalk elevator situation with no rails that come off it. And they were up and down to stop at each prison cell, which looks very safe. And it's no problem, right? Well, well Jenny, you I'm not know, worried about that at all. You know what the shape of the prison is, right? It's a giant circle-y thing, right? It's Panopticon. Oh, yes! Yes, it's the fucking Panopticon. Do you want to the- talk about that or shall Sh- I? Um, I will talk about the origin of the Panopticon if you want to talk about the postmodern understanding. Sure, that sounds perfect. So uh, Jeremy Bentham was an English philosopher and a social reformer in the uh, late 17 to early 1800s. So the Panopticon was a prison. It was a, a circle-shaped prison where everybody can look at each other and essentially police each other. So that's the kind of basis of that's the Panopticon. Yeah. So I was not so familiar with the origins of the Panopticon, but I am familiar with it in the context of Michel Foucault, who was an awesome but somewhat impenetrable, perhaps, 20th century French philosopher. I mean, he was pretty penetrable (laughs) in his personal life. I'm sure of that. Um, I just meant, you know, a lot of his texts are difficult to get through, to say the least. Oh, yes. Um, He wrote History of Sexuality. He's written a lot about sex and power and also... 
the prison industrial complex and how power is enacted and held and, you know, power as a verb rather than a noun. And um, he talked a lot about this system and how it applies to everyday people in the everyday world and how we self-police automatically now based on based on public architecture and based on the idea that we we always know we could be being watched, mm-hmm. even if we're not 100 percent convinced that we are being watched every minute. We always know there's a chance that we could be being watched by authority figures at every minute. And so we self-police accordingly. Yep. So we all essentially live in the, the prison of the panopticon instead of being having it be a what was understood to be a humane understanding of imprisonment because right because before that you know he was a he was a prison reformer that's interesting i didn't think about it that way yep so the so the panopticon was supposed to be a humane uh a humane prison hmm. that was also focused on on rehabilitation but really hmm. uh now we are all prisoners <laughs> also if you're if you're uh, playing along at home this is our first mention of michel foucault so yes it is uh, it will not We're be the last, but we have been, not. we did promise some Foucault. So here you go. Here's some mm-hmm. Foucault. I didn't think this is where we would start. I didn't either, but it just kind of clicked when I was looking at it. Can we give a tiny quote that may or may not be particularly related? But I feel like if we're going to talk about Foucault, we have to give at least one quote. Oh, yeah, definitely. Here's a Michel Foucault quote. The lyricism of marginality may find inspiration in the image of the outlaw, the great social nomad who prowls on the confines of a docile, frightened order. Nice. That's pretty cool. Foucault was also super into leather and was queer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> super, super pan. Super pan, super kinky. Yeah. And he lived, you know, right smack in the middle of the 20th century, born 1926, died 1984. So we'll come back to him. But that was fun. That was fun. Yay, Foucault. But no, no, not so much Foucault here right now as Kyle and Bo. Oh my gosh. Here comes Kyle with snacks. Oh, Kyle. Hey, did you see what kind of, uh, of ration bar that was? Was it the brown kind? I, I mean, think it was the brown I'm kind. not sure if I can really tell the difference between the brown kind and the gray kind, to be I honest. I think it might have been the brown kind. Because like those are the only two kinds. I think it was the brown kind. Oh, Bo didn't even get the good ration bar. <laughs> I mean... That was just one person's opinion that the gray was better. It's not necessarily a universal truth. <laughs> you don't know. It's true. I don't. I don't think it's going to be very good either way, frankly. I don't either. And Bo's not eating it, so it doesn't even matter. What do they remind you of? You remember, have you ever had the MedRx bars? Like back in like before, no. before power bars were actually good, they tasted and looked like C4. No. Yeah, I, I didn't eat the icky food bars because... They were ridiculous. They were just around. It's not like I sought them out because I was like running or doing anything physical. No, they were just there and I, I was know, like, I hey, know. what's this? <laughs> that's fair. If someone else brings them home, you're entitled to be curious. Exactly. And they were terrible. And that's what they rem- that's what they remind me of. They're not like... Oh, that's like, definitely what horrid rations are like. Yeah. They're not like the good power bars that like have chocolate in them. They're like the ones that like look and taste like plastic explosives. Definitely. That's a very apt description. So Kyle's approach in the beginning is he's at least trying to be like dominant and be like a prison guard. <laughs> I know. Rations, prisoner. Oh, Kyle. And I wrote Kyle trying to be dominant equals my heart on the floor. I know, Sam. And then he immediately undermines his entire approach because he waits too long 
out of politeness to Bo. He's waiting for Bo to take the tray and Bo doesn't take the tray. And, you know, a real a real prison guard would have just dropped it and been like, well, fuck you then. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want Bo to lose his meal. So he just keeps holding it and waiting for Bo to take it. And then the little opening closes on his little finger and he gets a little zap. Oh. And he turns around so Bo doesn't see him cry. I know. Oh, Kyle. Kyle writes. Oh, I, I wrote, come on, Kyle. It's OK. You're not tough. We all have different strengths. That's right. I'm not sure what Kyle's strengths are as of yet, but I suspect that his strengths will shine in a non-military situation a lot more. I do as well. I think Kyle is a lover and perhaps not a fighter. Amen. Amen to that. So, okay, so he gets zapped, his eyes tear up, he turns away. Where did Kyle come from? Who knows? Where did any of the Horde kids come from? The only one we know about is Adora. Yeah, who knows where any of those kids came from, man? And also, like... How did Kyle last so long? <laughs> That's an interesting question. He's got to be a lot more resilient than he looks. Yeah, like maybe like his crying gives him power or something. Because I don't like know. everyone just constantly buries him in shit and he always comes back. Unless Rahelio is secretly helping him. Oh, they have such a you beautiful notice Rahelio Rahelio's never the one who is rough on him, making him do shit, giving him latrine duty. No, that's true. That's all Lonnie. <laughs> and we know that they end up together in the end. I know. So, and they share a bunk. I bet Rogelio... Rogelio's always the one who's bandaging him up. I bet Rogelio's giving him more help behind the scenes than we actually say. Aww, they love each other. They do. So we see that Bo talks to Kyle on purpose, and Kyle, like, cannot handle it. I He's know. Like, are you are you talking to me? Um, And the expositional outcome of this brief encounter is that Glimmer's location is classified. Kyle is useless. So there is no exposition. That's that's it. (laughs) That's it. Kyle is useless. There is no exposition. And then we go floating back to Glimmer's room in Bright Moon. Yay. I love that the Princess Alliance is having their first meeting in Glimmer's room. Yeah. Aw, me too. You know, it's like the slumber party plan. <laughs> the slumber party plan. I just love the energy that they start out with. You know, because in the beginning, it kind of seems like, I don't know, is this really a grown-up plan? Is this going anywhere? But then it does. They're all, And they're all very, all of them are very, very on board to let's do this. So, mm-hmm. um, and Adora's being party leader guy, right? Because Adora oh, yeah. understands. And I wrote... I wrote that they they look like they're making a battle plan, but they also look like they're getting ready to play spin the bottle at their first group sleepover. Oh, that's true. Oh. And they get only a slight bit distracted over who's going to get which object or action figure as their personal battle figure in this plan. Well, they get Slightly, slightly sidetracked. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, so this just is actually the first indication that we kind of know where the rest of the episode is going on this, right? Because Adora is taking charge and making the plan. Because Adora does oh, yes. have the does have the understanding of the fright zone. However, Adora is making the plan without really knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are. So Adora's, you know, been with them in battle before, but the team itself doesn't really know. They've never worked together. It's true. She knows what their basic skills are in terms of big picture. She knows 
Mermista can water bend, Perfima can plant bend, and Entrapta is an evil genius. Not evil, but you know, she's like, point her at any tech and she will do whatever needs to be done. Right. She knows those things. And Seahawk is gung-ho about everything, so. Yeah, Seahawk will help you do whatever you ask him to do. Which is a decent thing, but you know, we're, we're trying to, you're trying to build a team for uh, like a search and rescue mission and you really need to understand all of the dynamics. It's true. This is kind of the base of the episode. Yeah, of course. And they, this is their first plan, their first group activity. So Adora can't know all of their strengths and weaknesses yet. There's no way she can know that. Right. And this also, this, so this scene actually um, kind of identifies like what the, what the weaknesses are here already. So Entrapta hyper-focuses on what should be, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Mermista comes totally with an attitude and Perfuma comes in trying to be, you know, Comes in trying to be harmonious uh, and keep things together, but um, is actually having a very difficult time with that. And Seahawk just blunders in, and we're gonna see we're gonna see very um, particular. I mean, I think that might be a little bit exaggerated in some in some ways, but it's not totally off base. I mean, like Mermista, Mermista totally comes with an attitude. She says like one thing, but she does everything that's asked of her. Like it's there, it's the beginnings yeah, of no, showing what the what the interpersonal wrong. issues are going to be that therefore lead them in the yeah, the episode. episode. Right. So we're going to it's setting the scene for what the conflict is going to be. No, you're you're right. That's totally fair. I can't deny that. So and also this is a really cool like set up side by side scene. The way it's shot, mm-hmm. um, you know, this amorphous transition from the discussion of the plan in Glamour's bedroom to the plan in action. I love that. I loved how you they know, did they that. You know, don't, they don't make the plan and show it happening and then go all the way back to them in Glimmer's room and like, okay, ready, let's go. Once they finish that conversation, they're already where they are in the plan. Like yep. everything we've seen so far has actually happened. And then, and then we pick up where we are. And I love how they do that. And I, I, I'm so sad that Mermista has to be the sewer bender. Oh, I know. But she, she does a great job. We cannot overlook this because this is the most important part of the scene, and I cannot say that, stress this enough. The Seahawk representation is a bisexual colored mustache comb. Oh my god, you're right. So that is the most important part of the scene, actually, is that the Seahawk representation is a bisexual colored mustache comb. You are absolutely right. I don't I did fuck not around. specifically pick up on that. No, I, I know you don't. I fuck when it comes to mustaches or bisexual mustache combs. Oh, definitely. I salute you. I salute you. So as Adora starts telling them the plan, we start seeing the whole plan. She says the plan will take place in the Horde scrapyard. It's close to the prison and lightly guarded. Wicked smart kid. Mm-hmm. So we see them. We see them all being there. Perfuma and Entrapta will access the security tower with plant building, plant bending, and prehensile hair, mm-hmm. and wait for my signal to disable the lights. So we see that happening. And then mm-hmm. Mermista will access the Freight Zone sewer system. She'll swim through the pipes and open the door. And then back to Adora's room. I'm sorry, Mermista will. What? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I know. It's great. And then Adora's like, yeah, I know. That's very much badness. But you must help us, Sira. You're literally the only one who can do this. And, you know, Mermista doesn't really clap back because she knows it's true. She just goes, oh. And, you know... In Glimmer's room, she's going, making that sound, and she makes it all the way across 
to the transition into the fright zone, but she does it. She jumps in. She does. She does. And then she goes on. She said, Seahawk and I, Adora, will take positions by the entrance and neutralize any guards on patrol. Perfuma and Entrapta will regroup at their position. The team will enter when Remista opens the door. And Seahawk's entire contribution to this is excellent plan. Adventure! He's so enthusiastic. You gotta. I, I feel like everyone benefits from yeah. his injections of enthusiasm. It's true. A plus for enthusiasm, friend. A plus, Seahawk. Aw, yay, Seahawk. When energy's low and maybe coffee doesn't work on you, yep. maybe you need a little Seahawk Aww. to boost, boost you up and be like, fuck yeah, you need do it. Everybody needs a little Seahawk. Aw. Everybody does. Okay, so by that point, when she finishes narrating, then we are in the Horde scrapyard for realsies, and we see Mermista in the sewer, sort of emerging out of the water, looking exactly as happy as you'd expect. And she's making that same disgruntled manatee sound. That's like her trademark. Manatee. <laughs> yeah, that's like her trademark noise. We're like, oh, I'm so over. I can't believe I'm doing this, but like, let's just fucking do it and get through it. And that's when we see the three-eyed albino rat. Yeah, things wild. Yes. So it's a pink rat-like creature with three red, like pupilless eyes, um, and moth-like antenna. But it's a rat. I mean, it's got the rat type it's tail. A rat. Absolutely, it squeaks, it's a rat. But it's like, where the hell did that rat come from? <laughs> yeah, it's an icky sore animal that Mermista doesn't want to think about. Thank you the very much. Only natural fauna in the fright zone. Yes. Okay. And then there's toilet flushing sounds, Ugh. and a pipe dumps fresh sore on Mermista's head. And which oh. is very much of the bad. Oh gosh. Like poor Mermista. I would be grossed out too. I would be throwing yeah. And then up. there's a fan sucking her backwards. Like things do not look great for Mermista right now. But we know she's a badass and she can handle herself. Oh, definitely. So we're not worried too much. And then we cut to seeing Adora. Uh, she signals Entrapta and Perfuma to kill the lights in the tower. Because we already saw before when she was narrating how they got up there. Right? So they're already up there now. Adora sends the signal. But Entrapta is so distracted by all the Horde tech that she has completely forgotten literally everything. And she's already making a new voice log for her time here. Right? Yeah. A new little voice journal for her science records her science records and so yes. whoever the brilliant whoever's brilliant idea it was to pair the um nature and science together and not think that they would not be at odds the entire time was obviously not looking at the symbolism of the princesses um what do you mean so, oh so when you're like nature and science have to be at odds the whole time because well, i don't think that's true well they, they have don't tech in in bright moon but we have Perfuma, who is the symbol of the nature princess, and Entrapta, who is the symbol of the science princess, in the place where we see the idea of science machines being dominant over nature. So, yes. um, And also, they are put together in this episode, uh, particularly, to be contrasting. Of course, you're they not wrong about that. are understood that. to be contrasting forces in this episode, even though in the greater scheme of Etheria and the universe, we do understand that they, those two things can play, can and do play nice together. Of course. It's very reductive, but in this episode, the two of them together, that is absolutely what's going on. Yep. So Entrapta starts fixing stuff randomly right away. Ding, ding, ding. More foreshadowing. Entrapta doesn't notice which side she's on when you put tech in front of her. She's yep. just going to fix it. So this is not subtle. But she does kill the lights with just one gentle reminder from Perfuma. 
She doesn't totally go off task. Not yet. So, boom, no light. Soldiers so confused. Cue for Adora and Seahawk to attack. We go on three. Ready? One. Forward! Yes! Now Adora has angry gay eyebrows instead of cocky gay eyebrows. Yep. I just have this as dot, 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 dude. Because that is the look that Adora has. Yep. Yep. But it turns out she really didn't need him anyway because she takes out both of the guards by herself quite easily. And I have here Daddy Adora ass beating and then shoots Seahawk the biggest gay glare. And this is my first you all know that we all know that you know gayest moment is the gay glare that Daddy Adora throws at Seahawk. Yeah, that's a good one. I I waffled on whether I wanted to include that or not. And in the end, I decided not. But I'm glad you included it. I'm glad that we both saw it, though. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, and so then we go back to Perfuma. She's on point to regroup, but where's Entrapta? Uh, bomb, Entrapta. Bomb. Once again, single-minded, focused on the robots. Mm-hmm. It's like she's studying the natural robot wildlife of this ecosystem. <laughs> of robots. You know, she's... she Of robots, yes. Of robots. Yes, she's, you know, following this little creature and making notes about its movements and what it seems to be doing. And it re- I mean, obviously, you know, she's obsessed with the tech, but it is kind of cool because it sort of parallels the robots to their own little ecosystem. That's true. So, I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. I like that too. Perfuma was like, we're supposed to meet the others. And Perfuma was like, I was waiting. Uh, and Trapter was like, so I'm waiting for you. And Perfuma is increasingly more and more frustrated. Yes. Yes, she is. And then I have mixed feelings about what happens next. Perfuma uses one of her vines to make an entrapta leash and just sort Mm -hmm. of pulls her along. Yep. And so that was kind of degrading. And was that really necessary? Yeah. No, I wrote that too. I'm like, that's fucked up. And this is kind of where um, Perfuma's passive aggressive hippie stuff shows. So like we've all kind of met the passive aggressive hippie. That's all like good vibes only. Let's be chill. But like they're really doing that because they're sublimating some major control issues and anger. Yeah. Or, you know, they just never learned how to deal with conflict directly. Right, right. And they're so they, never going to do it directly. Right. So they're they're just, they're, they're like focused on like, you know, they're really harsh on my vibes or whatever. And you're like, uh, dude, so you need to- So they've developed all these passive aggressive coping mechanisms. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. we do see that with Perfuma throughout, this, like Perfuma's lovely, but we do see that, you know, this also does happen with Perfuma because, you know- Of course, she's a human being. Exactly. We all have flaws. Meanwhile, Seahawk is here to inspect all the things. Yes, I love this. And like right away, I fucking love Seahawk and Scorpia as scene partners. Yes, right? Himbo buddy comedy time. Yes, they're just fantastic. I love Um, them together so much. They just make everything hilarious. So, of course, there's the fake out moment. You think she's going to bust him, but then she totally doesn't. Oh, (laughs) Inspector, I must have forgotten you were coming. We are well overdue for an inspection, but I can assure you that we are up to code. I know. I love this. Away they go. And then Adora's face when they drive off in the skiff. Adora just cannot deal with how well, like, the himbo bonding works there. And... (laughs) And also, she's just like, how is, how is everything going wrong so perfectly at the same time? <laughs> oh, Adora. This was not Adora's plan. 
this was definitely not Adora's plan. And, you know, she kind of tells everybody that. <laughs> yeah. At least she's got Perfuma and tied up Entrapta, who doesn't seem to be upset that she's tied up. But but we are. There's nothing more. We are. We are. <laughs> and then a moment later, she's untied. We don't see that happen even. Yep. And then that's when Perfuma says harmonious teamwork with Entrapta can be a challenge. And here is where I actually laid it out a little bit more because now the the blocks are starting to show where the harmonious teamwork is starting to break down. So we mm-hmm. do have, once again, we've seen like Remista's attitude, Seahawks' impulsiveness, Entrapta's single-mindedness, Perfuma's lack of understanding, and Adora's inflexibility. Hmm. That's a good breakdown. So... These are all, this is like the reverse Captain Planet. That's a good breakdown. And one thing I notice with Perfuma and her stress and and inability to work well with Entrapta, she never tells Entrapta directly what she wants. Yep. She's just constantly frustrated and like rolling her eyes and trying to carry on and make the best. But she never says, I need you to stay next to me for this plan to work. Right. She doesn't actually even say ever what she wants. She tries to control the situation by saying, everybody calm down, like by mm-hmm. trying to put it on, you know, the burden uh, on everybody else, but doesn't really take it on herself because she lacks that, she lacks that understanding of other people's dynamics. Right, right. This is all very good character development building blocks. But moving on, Mermist is here to save the day. Yay, with crap the all door over opens. Her. Yeah, well... Like I mean, literal, literal crap. Literally, that's how they made her. <laughs> yep. She did what they told her to do. But she would like a thank you. Did you not see all the sore twigs in her hair? Yeah. But the second they get inside, Entrapped is gone again. <laughs> <laughs> and Adora says, it's okay. We're going to find her. And Seahawk. And rescue Glimmer and Bo. And Remista voices what a lot of us might be thinking, which is, I don't know. That kind of sounds like a lot. <laughs> Yeah, dude. And then Adora just gives her the angry gay commander stare. Like, what the fuck do you think you're you're there to do, man? Like, of course it's a lie. Yeah, like that's what we're here for. And then Mermista, you know, she has to say what she has to say, but then she jumps right back on the bandwagon immediately after. She she never really argues. Right. Right. You know, she's like, well, you know, you know me. Totally up for anything. You know, their attitudes are opposite, but their, their, you know, end results are the same. Because Seahawk is like, Seahawk is up for anything and is like, you know, positive, like hyper positive. And then we have Remista, who at the end of the day is also up for anything, but is definitely complaining the whole time. (laughs) So Yes. Yeah. She has to make her little quips heard. Um, Also. And they're funny. So I'm okay with it. And they're funny and she's hot. So we're we're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Uh, we're good. Um, so, okay, Adora says that she's going to hack into the database and identify the cell blocks, but really, is she, A, is Adora going to be hacking into anything? Because, like, and B, shouldn't she leave the hacking to Entrapta? <laughs> it seems like she should, but right now, uh, Entrapta is not with them. Entrapta right. is off doing science again. But this And was... she meets Emily, oh, which Emily. is totally a gayest moment nom for me. Entrapped a meeting Emily for the first time. I have that as a robosexual. Yep, the robosexual entrapped a strikes again. But sure, I mean that's under the whole umbrella of queer yeah, for me. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so I think she would have assigned that to Entrapta had Entrapta been with them at that moment. But is yeah, I agree. Okay, the so hackery. now we're back at the the Black Garnet Chamber, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. Glimmer is being tortured. Yes, yeah, she looks real bad. 
Yeah, she looks real bad. But she's still trying to bust out. She comes off with an attitude to Shadow Weaver right off the bat. That's our girl. Yep. Nah, she's fucking badass. Glimmer never says die. Nope, she definitely doesn't. And Lorraine Toussaint is just digesting the scenery here. It's incredible. Oh, I know. So that's a really short scene, but it gives us the gist of where they're at with each other. What's Mm -hmm. the status of Glimmer? She's not begging for help. That's not going to happen. A little exposition scene. We see that Shadow Weaver has the sword and then like puts it in like a pocket dimension or something. I don't know. I thought it was just like a little bubble of like dark magic protection. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. But like, we see that Shadow Weaver has the sword. Yes, we do. Then we go we go back to Scorpia and Seahawk. Where's <laughs> Seahawk? Seahawk approves of all the things he inspected, even the one that fell apart when he touched it. Yep, and now he should get home to his inspector children. <laughs> oh yes, and now this is another fantastic, fantastic gayest moment, Nam. I agree. You wanna go? You wanna do it? So Scorpia, of course, thinks that Seahawk looks familiar and Seahawk, you know, does, tries to do what he knows best, which is put on his charm, says, maybe you've seen me in your dreams. And, you know, he does the whole thing where he's all the sparkles and the dazzles and he's like, woo, this is my, this is my charm face and everyone always falls for it. And Scorpia, you know, no, that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, that's how gay she is. She doesn't notice when men are hitting on her. Yep, she's too gay to even notice him. (laughs) That is what I Too gay to even notice when men hit on you is a level of gay that I appreciate very much. I I also appreciate that. Aw, sweet baby Scorpio. Yeah, and then she goes on and she's like, oh yeah, Princess Prom, you were with that mermaid. (laughs) She has a name, you know. (laughs) Dumbass. That's right, Seahawk. Dumbass. Oops, I mean, no, I wasn't there. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> but luckily, Emmeline and Trapta to the rescue. They there's send a, a duck. duck. No, there's no duck. I, I should duck. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and bo- both Scorpia and Seahawk are like, wait, there's a duck somewhere? <laughs> yes, they both. They're both himbos. Ugh, they're wonderful they himbos. So well I want to see their himbo comedy hour. I want to watch that so yes. much. And Seahawk is the only one who really ever says thank you to Entrapta. He says, that was a top-notch rescue. Yeah. And of course, Entrapta says, to be honest, I wasn't sure which one of you I was going to (laughs) hit. But, you know, we're pretty sure she was aiming for Scorpia, so. Right. But she's just being honest. Yeah. She's just being being honest. honest. That's her way. So things seem to be coming along fairly smoothly so far. Back to the Fright Zone prison. Adora, Mermista, and Perfuma are on scene here. Adora found Bo's cell, but realizes that Glimmer is somewhere else. And there's a big scary horde bot. And Mermista is not going back in the sore, FYI. Which but is it's fair. okay, it's just Entrapta. It's totally fair. It's just Entrapta and her new friend Emily. She reprogrammed her. Casually lifts Seahawk in her hair tentacles like a baby and hands him over to Mermista. Mermista <laughs> looks wicked embarrassed when I paused it for a second as soon as she had... Seahawk deposited into her arms. She's looking at him with these huge bugged out eyes. She looks so embarrassed. And he's just looking perfectly happy. He's not having any strong reaction. He's not swooning. He's not anything. He's just like perfectly happy to be lying in her arms like a baby. It's just normal. It's like, oh, okay, cool. And then I go back to here. And she's like, oh, God. Once again, no one thanks Entrapta for rescuing Seahawk except for Seahawk. 
They just want to know where she's mm-hmm. been. They don't thank her. They don't say, oh, thank you. You found Seahawk and you got back to us on your own. Awesome. Nobody says yep. anything validating to Entrapta ever. Nope. Which is a shame. Nobody really says anything validating to anybody in this team. And that's another that's thing. True, that's true, actually. An- None of them give each other any validation. Yep. Yeah, another point on the they need to work better as a team. That's true. This is their first mission. So we have uh, Adora's got the location of Bo. And they figure they can go there first. And then look for Glimmer. Entrapta's hair hands are incredible. Oh my god. Entrapta has like a mindfuck brain orgasm from being surrounded by so much beautiful tech that she gets to play with. I know. Like, so and the sound she makes. Like, she's like the living embodiment of like a purely conceptual orgasm. <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> I know? mean, I just have it as geek joy, but I'm down with that, too. Geek joy works, but it's like, this is like top, top level geek joy. That's that's legit. Yeah. It's high level. I don't know if it's top level because she tops herself as the series goes on. She definitely and, you know, does. Adora says, can you get us up there? And in Trapta, she's just like so overstimulated and like in a happy way. Yes. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. But I'm definitely going to try. Like, you know, she's all in right now and it's beautiful Aww, i love entrapta i love entrapta and so they split up uh they split up seahawk and perfume are with adora um mm-hmm. they're gonna go try to grab Bo, and mermista is going to keep an eye on entrapta lest she befriend more robots yes or you know they could be attacked who knows sure can't leave any one person alone on a mission like this true true yes but then we actually go to where the cell block is and we go to kyle kyle comes a running even though he's supposed to be covering lonnie's latrine duty oh also gross there's so much talk about like sewers and and like latrine in this episode it's kind of gross this is a slightly gross episode it's kind of gross not gonna lie but yeah kyle found out that glimmer is in the black garnet chamber and shadow weaver is planning to ransom her in exchange for the queen also kyle like Okay, I get it. Like, you have a crush on, on Bo, but this is, like, oh, yeah. the, the dumbest move, dude. <laughs> I know. And then Bo is like, why are you telling me this? And it's like, um, because you listen to me. Ooh. Oh, and Kyle's face, Ooh. you know, is like, when you're not, sh- when you're insecure about what you're saying, and you're not sure what you're mm. saying, and you just sort of playing with your hands. Oh, Kyle. I kind of ship and them. I, well, I can't say that, but I, my note here is, ah, I have Kyle feelings now. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Seriously, Kyle, thanks for giving us feelings. Because yeah. Bo says, I mean, I'm being held prisoner, but sure. Yeah. You know, he's never, he's not leading Kyle on in order to gain any advantages. He's not manipulating Kyle. No. He's totally up front. Yeah, no, he is. And then we, uh, we switch back to Adora and company with their platform flight. On the crazy catwalk elevator. That's how yeah. I described this The this platform thing. catwalk elevator fight in the panopticonic Death Star. Yes. Hey, Love Lonnie. <laughs> Hi, Lonnie. Hi, Lonnie. So you want to talk about Lonnie's entrance onto this group, how she does it? Because it's sick. Uh, I think you should do that. Okay. So... Lonnie and Rahelio somehow have this coordinated together, and it's amazing. Rahelio kind of kneels down so Lonnie can run up his back and then do a flip and land on her feet on the platform while it's moving mm-hmm. so that she can fight Adora, mm-hmm. which is amazing. So they fight. And, you know, like, this is another hard exchange for me in terms of, you know, how to feel about it. 
Because mm-hmm. Lonnie says, you think you can just come back here? Yeah. And Adora says, I need to save my friends. Mm-hmm. And Lonnie says, we were your friends. We were your friends. Yeah. And this is a hard exchange so- for me, too. And I wish there was more of this because they grew up, you know, like Catra, Adora, Lonnie, Rahelio, and Kyle all grew up together. Yeah, they like, grew up like siblings. They grew up like siblings, you know? Like, Lonnie was her squad mate. Like, we saw them fighting, and we, we see them fighting together. Lonnie was, like, one of the best in the squad. Like, yeah, they had the, same, yeah, they had the um, same training, and we're dealing with Adora, not with She-Ra at this point. So we're, we have yeah, two people. Yeah, and Lonnie was a good teammate to Adora. Yeah, yeah, and we have two people that have the exact same training that have fought against each other in a sparring situation, now suddenly fighting each other in a real situation, a real combat situation. Yeah, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart too, but we told we also skipped over when Perfuma gets knocked off the platform, Seahawk immediately starts to do a dramatic goodbye <laughs> instead yeah. of trying to rescue her. <laughs> well, he doesn't have any kind of reaching tentacles that he can employ. What's he gonna do, to be but fair? He, he immediately is gonna start his like goodbye shanty or something. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then she just reaches up the tentacles. The vine tentacles. The vine tentacles and she just plant bends her way back up. So Yep. Yeah, that was good. But, you know, more fighting, yada yada, princesses for the win is my last note. Yep, I have Rogelio being a badass here, roaring in. I like yes. Rogelio. I, like I like Rogelio too. He's a cutie. Yeah, he is a cutie. And then Entrapta wraps him up with all of her hair and the the um the cartoonish bulging eyes that we see <laughs> oh. is really funny. Yeah. Then we have fighting, fighting, fighting. Yeah, they take him out too. And then the next scene that I have is in Bo's cell, where Kyle is crying to Bo and listing all of his mistreatments. Oh, Kyle. Oh, nobody's ever asked for help before. He doesn't think anyone can help him. Why is he even telling him this? I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get in so much trouble. Yeah. And Bo is not interested in any of this. Until he notices all his friends fighting on a flying catwalk elevator behind Kyle. And so now, I, yeah, I but, love the, um, I love this this trope too. The like keeping somebody busy and talking while something really like important is happening behind yes. them that they super don't yes, notice. Yes. Like I love that trope so hard. So now he has to keep Kyle talking. Yep. Um, because a second ago he was like, "Yep, that seems rough." He's not even looking at Kyle. He doesn't care. But now he's like, oh, yeah, that, you know, that doesn't sound fair. He's, you know, he's in it now. He wants to keep Kyle's attention. And Kyle really seriously wants Bo to be his friend. Or, you know, his friend. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, Kyle. Kyle got feels. Oh, Kyle got feels. Oh, Kyle. Oh, okay. And I have another gayest moment here. Uh, Please. The hands on the force field, man. Oh, yeah, no, that was mine, too. Yep. I figured. Yeah. Kyle puts his hand on one side of the force field, so Bo is, will put his hand on the other side. And obviously, Bo would not have done that if he wasn't trying to keep Kyle busy and distracted from the action behind him. Mm. Until someone appears. <laughs> oh, yeah. Seahawk just jumps in, shows up, and then yeets Kyle onto the other platform. Just picks him up and yep. yeet. <laughs> yep. Doesn't um. even look. He just throws him behind him. Yeet. For all he knows, he just threw Kyle to his death. Yeah. But luckily, Kyle has a better landing than that. And lands on top of Rogelio and Lonnie. Yes. And then Seahawk immediately says to Bo, Bo, we're here to save you. 
And I have, can we talk about how Seahawk only saves Bo and everyone else has to save Seahawk? <laughs> have you noticed this? <laughs> yes. Gay, 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 gay. Oh, I love Seahawk. how bi they are for each other. Oh my God. I'm, I love their, I love their bisexual broness. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. But sir, I think it's fantastic. Seahawk is so capable of a rescue when it's for Bo. Mm-hmm. Any other time, he, he needs to be rescued. Yeah, he, yeah he's goddamn mess. If it's but not if it's... Bo on the line, he needs to be rescued. Yep. I love it. So, Adora pops up, and we get Bo out, and um, Bo knows where Glimmer is. And Glimmer Luckily. is in the Black Garnet Chamber. Yes. And now, there are alarms going off, everyone knows they're here. This is the final battle. Mm-hmm. Things so, are looking dicey. So now they are on the run through the vents. Adora's plan now is for them to flee through these vents to the vehicle bay where they can steal a skiff. But each chamber needs to be sealed and purged before you can move on to the next. And that sounds perfectly fine, right? Sure. What is purged? It's fine. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, that purged? doesn't sound menacing. But then Adora is staying behind. She's going to buy them some time and find Glimmer and she'll meet them there. Yep. And honestly, she sounds pretty confident when she says that. I would not have questioned her if I were Bo. But Bo is like, no, Adora. Yeah, well, it's, it, you know, for all we know, it's more self-sacrifice Adora, even though Adora does kind of have a little bit of that going, but it is also like, no, I grew up here. Right. And she does that heroic thing in terms of the body language and how it's shot. Where, mm-hmm. you know, she has her back to them and then she smashes the control pad so Bo yep. can't follow her. And, you know, she doesn't even turn around. She just, like, punches behind her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no. And she's just, like, looking away so she doesn't have to see his sad face as he's trying to go after her. I mean, also, Adora can just straight up smash a panel like that. Yeah. Some more daddy Adora shit right there. Yeah. Yeah, Daddy Adora is home right now. Daddy Adora is home. Daddy Adora is <laughs> home and cleaning up. Yeah, Daddy Adora has a lot of skills and strength all by herself. You know, and it's re- important for her to remember that. Absolutely. And we really should have wished Daddy Adora happy Father's Day yesterday. Oh, fuck. That is right. We happy totally... belated Father's Day, Daddy Adora. Happy belated Father's Day, Daddy Adora. So as soon as Bo's out of the way, and he has to keep going because, you know, these chambers are purging, and we see what it means now. If he doesn't keep going, the chamber behind is being purged with green fire. Yep. Lots and lots of green fire. Green fire explosion, kabooms. Yes. That is what And you only have a few seconds to get out before that happens, so there's no dilly-dallying. And as soon as they go off, Adora just walks up to the first row of troops she sees and surrenders herself. So they will take her to Shadow Weaver. I like how this is paralleled in Save the Cat, too. I agree. I was thinking about that. Because it's the same the same movement, the same resolve, and it's the same, the same logic. Same logic. And it's kind of the same like level of villain, right? Like, you know, like if this was like I don't even know if comparing levels is the most important thing about the parallel here. But the parallel here is like, you know, the person that I love or need to need to save is being held in the villainous chamber. Mm-hmm. And the only way I'm going to save them is if I give myself up, that's how I'm going to get to the villainous chamber. And once yep. I'm there, I'll figure it out. So that's dope. That's dope. So now we're in the Black Garnet Chamber. Ugh. <laughs> Shit's getting real. 
this part makes me so sad and Fs me up so hard. Well, yeah. It's effed up, that's why. Yeah, yeah. And this is both, you know, hard stuff in terms of seeing Glimmer and Adora struggling and also in terms of what Catra's going through. So all three. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So first, Adora goes in and she sees Glimmer chained up, mm-hmm. not really in chains, but in the same red electrical currents as, that we saw before. And Adora is very distressed. You think she recognizes, mean, she almost certainly recognizes that this is the, she knows exactly what this red electrical current stuff does, right? Because this is the same oh, one no that doubt. she's she's seen, you know, yes. you know, Catra tortured with, with their entire yes. lives. No doubt. Both Catra and Adora have a lifelong familiarity with this electrical chain torture shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's reassuring Glimmer, everything will be okay. Don't worry. I'll save you. As she is being strapped to a table herself. Y- yep. You know, but she still has the mentality that I am, I am going to save you. I am going to save us from this situation. Yep. And then she looks across the room and sees Katra who has her arms crossed and looks very unhappy, but in mm-hmm. a in a very hard to describe way. Yeah, I thought it was Didn't kind of like... Didn't you think so? I, I thought it was too. I thought it was like an inscrutable unhappiness before yes. Shadow Weaver says anything. It's almost like a, what is this? Is it jealousy? Is it anger? Is it resentment? Yes. Is it... Yes. Thank Christ you're back. Like, what is it? Is it some regret mixed in for seeing the way that things are going down now? This isn't how she wanted it, maybe. Yeah. But maybe part of, you know, the anger is that she didn't want it this way, but, you know, she didn't want it the way it was either. So she doesn't know Mm -hmm. what would make her not be angry anymore. I I agree with with what you just said. It was very hard to describe. Yeah. It It was a hard read. It was a very hard read. And then um, Shadow Weaver approaches Catra, tells her to go fuck off. We don't need you anymore now that the good kid is back. So pack your shit. So fucked up. So fucked up. Like, and, and, and you know, here it, it once again, like, here's the, you know, kind of the what's set up in the beginning of the episode, right? The like, you know, Catra will yep. only be seen by Shadow Weaver in the reflection of Adora and vice versa. As- as a pale reflection of Adora. As a pale reflection of Adora. So. Yeah. She's never going to win. She's yeah. never going to be seen in her own light, in her own right. Exactly. She's only going to be seen in the reflection of the sword. Yep. That's a really good metaphor. So Catcher's like, seriously, after everything I've done for you, you still want her. And Shadow Weaver's like, yes. Fuck yes. Do you even fucking know me, bitch? Catcher then- doesn't want to go. Shadow Weaver does her scary, angry, paternal thing. Mm-hmm. I, I said go. go. Yep. Yes. <clears throat> and then Adora and Katra share a look. Mm-hmm. And it's just heartbreaking because both of them have like this look of pain and guilt and gay. Yes. Well <laughs> just... put again, my friend. And confusion and not knowing where the other stands right now. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're kind of in that they're they're in that place right now. They neither one really knows where each other stands. They only know yeah. that they're both kind of mad at each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're both not happy. And also, I want to point out that this is the first time Catra sees Adora back in the fright zone. Yes. So this is Adora kind of coming home, but not coming home to get Catra. 
coming home to get right. the new is, the, the new girl. That's true. And maybe that's part of Catra's confused anger right now is that like she wanted Adora back, but not like this. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so sad. It is. This is where it starts to be a real bummer. Yes. Now Adora is alone with Shadow Weaver and Glimmer. Shadow Weaver says she's going to wipe Adora's mind. She'll have no memory of Shira, her friends, or the rebellion. And she'll be happy to have Glimmer as her prisoner. Okay. Ah! Okay. This is fucking terrifying, and I want to talk about this for a second. It's extremely terrifying. Yes, please. So fucking, first of all, mind wiping, always terrifying. Just like yes. one of the most terrifying things I can think of. Like it's just yes. like a this is this is a literal gaslighting, right? Yeah, it's the most fundamental it's one of the most fundamental losses of autonomy that I can imagine. Yeah. And it's it's such hard a- to compare directly to anything else because it's not real, but yes, it's very, very terrifying. It's very terrifying and it's a super crazy obsessive move too. Like it is it is not the move of somebody that, you know, just wants their best soldier back. This is a move of somebody that no. has an obsession with whatever this this person uh, means to them. And in this case, it's the obsessed Shadow Weaver's obsession with Adora. Yes, but it's not just that she's the best soldier, though, right? Like it's not. There's 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 other dimensions. No, to it, no, though. no. Yeah. It's it's you know all of this power that Shadow Weaver senses in Adora that she mm-hmm. wants to be the one to tap into and channel. And so now that we know that this can happen and we know what shadow weaver is capable of within mm-hmm. the canonical universe has she done this before we'll never know the answer to that for sure it's it's something that you know nobody can ever prove right or wrong right so everyone can you know take it as they like it absolutely can have have your coffee with cream have it black have it with almond milk have it with sugar have it without sugar maybe yep. you don't like coffee Maybe don't you don't like coffee. Like coffee. You don't like Maybe coffee. you'd rather have a kombucha. That's true. Whatever. I've seen- you can have it however you want it is the point. I've definitely seen Jenny drink kombucha in the morning instead of coffee. Dear oh, listeners. Yes, <laughs> Dear listeners. No shame. No shade. No shame. Of course not. Okay, but let's get to the next important point. The final point in that scene is that Shadow Weaver starts to do the thing. She starts to mind wipe Adora. Right. So everybody's freaking out. Oh my God. Oh my God. Is this really happening? I'd be freaking out. I Yeah. I would be flipping my shit. Yeah. For sure. Ugly crying snot just hanging and, out of my nose. Yeah. I mean, poor Glimmer is being forced to witness all of this. Yep. So we will come back to this. But meanwhile, the others are still running through the vents. And Panicked Bo says they need to go back for Glimmer and Adora. And Perfuma, who seems much calmer somehow in this moment, says they need to do what Adora said. Right. And then they, Glimmer and Adora, they will get out. And when they do, we'll be ready with a skiff. Mm-hmm. No princess will be left behind. It's the titular line. It is. It's the titty line. The titty line. <laughs> yes. Because And then 12. we go straight back to the Black Garnet Chamber. Shadow Weaver is mind-wiping Adora. This is taking a while, but, you know, it's necessary for it to take a while for things yep. to transpire while it's happening. I also feel like you have to, like, load, warm up and stuff. Like, you can't just be like, boom. You know, you have to warm up. Yeah, you, you can't just snap right. our fingers. This is this is yeah. in high-level intensity magic. Exactly. It's not easy. Uh, Glimmer is being forced to watch this, and she is losing her damn mind. Yep. Even though we've already seen her try to break out a lot of times already, 
Now she tries again with even more determination because this time it's for Adora. This time it's, not it's for personal. herself. This time it's personal. <laughs> this time Did you it's look personal. at my friend? Right? <laughs> Did you look at my friend? Glimmer is the friend. Glimmer is your stabby friend. As Glimmer you have is- said. Yes, Glimmer is your stabby friend. And holy shit. Holy this shit. Fucking scene. This is awesome. This is fucking awesome. So Glimmer finally fucking teleports into yep. this incredible flying haymaker and just like just wallops the fuck out yep. of a shadowy Takes her down. one shot. And it's just yep. ugh, Glimmer is a melee powerhouse. Glimmer's stats are unreal. She's Glimmer is a powerful fucking character. She is. And, you know, it it comes out the most when she sees the people she loves being threatened. She couldn't do it for herself. She could do it for Adora. She just knocks her the fuck out. And can we appreciate that amazing visual of her standing over Shadow Weaver, who is on the floor? She's so badass. She she's in her dirty, ripped up prom dress. Her arm muscles are just popping. Uh-huh. And hot. she's standing over Shadow Weaver. It's she looks super hot. kind of like Winona Ryder at the end of Heathers. Oh, if yeah. If that wasn't such a morally gray movie. <laughs> yes, it is definitely you know? a morally gray movie. But oh yes. yeah, it's super fucking hot. But visually, hot too. it's yeah. like don't yep. fucking mess with my friends, bitch. Yup. And yep. they escape together. Yay. Yay. And Adora does know who Glimmer is. She has not been successfully mind wiped. Hooray. Maybe she lost like a couple of seconds. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. So Adora and Glimmer escape, hooray. Meanwhile, again, the others have made it through the last vent to the vehicle bay. But wait, Emily's still plugged into the port in the last vent section. And I have a question that I've never yep. thought to bring up before this. But why is Emily plugged in at all? Like, why? I how, don't, how and why? I don't know. I think maybe that's how they're getting the dick, 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 open the doors? I mean, it didn't happen the first time, but I guess it's an unanswerable question. Yeah. And it has to happen in order could, for the scene to progress forward. It could also just be an entrapped choice of like, you know, right. let's get as much data as we can before we leave. That's what I was thinking. That's so, what I was thinking. So yeah. Entrapta stays behind. She makes a split second decision to save Emily, but it was one second too long. Profima mm-hmm. calls for her and we see her just turn around and as Entrapta turns to look at them, the vent doors close on her and whoosh, she is purged with green flames. Mm-hmm. I still don't know how the fuck she got out of that. Really looked like she died. Yeah, I don't I don't get it either. I don't, but whatever. Don't Maybe Emily, Emily protected her. I don't know. Emily protected her somehow. Yeah. And it's a mysterious escape. Everyone looks so horrified. Well, they just as they should. Yeah, they just thought they watched their best friend or one of their not their best friend, but one of their team. As far as they know, they just untrapped to die. Yeah. Yes. Which is fucking traumatic. Yes, of course it is. It's also the first major. It's the first major loss that you know the Princess Alliance has. Also, it's the first major loss that many of them have actually witnessed in terms of, of battle. Absolutely. And felt like any sense of group responsibility for, like they had something to do with it. Yep. All of these things. Yep. All of these things. All of and the things. also meanwhile, another meanwhile, Adora and Glimmer are making a run for it. 
but the exit closes just as they get to it. Mm. Oh no, who could have predicted that? And Glimmer can't teleport. Is oh, this no. the end for our noble heroes? Scraping noise. Yeah, ouch, what is that horrible grating metal sound? Scraping noise. <laughs> no big deal, just disgruntled Catra with the sword slowly coming towards them, scraping against the wall. P.S. I'm sure that's dulling the tip. So first I have extra Catra. Extra. And then I have this described as such. So Catra's face is in shadow, arm completely out, dragging the sword, one arm fully extended, hunched over, like, you know, like dragging her own body. She swings the sword point towards Adora and Glimmer, then dramatically flips it with one hand. And hands the and and motions with the hilt towards Adora. Take yep. it. Yep. And again, her expression is so hard to read. Yep. Um, like she just looks done. Yeah. You know, but like it, it's really hard to ex- you know express specifically like what is this expression? Yeah, she's and I think that's what it is. She just looks done. We don't know yeah. what she's done with, but we know that she is done. Yes. And I don't blame her. I'd kind of be done, too. Of course. Of course. No fault. No fault here. You know, Catra says, take it. And then No, first Adora says, what are you doing? Yep. And Catra says, take it. And Adora just stares at her in blank confusion. Yep. This is not because I like you. Right. And no one believes her. Right. And then (laughs) Jenny says, gayest moment, but also not. Because I believe her while simultaneously believing you. Because, you know, I really think that there is a level on which this is the first moment that Catra is choosing Catra. She's like, I, I just agree. want you to get out of here. I can never, I am never going to be able to think about me while you're here. So get out of here. I need to focus. I need to hear myself think. God right. damn it, woman. You know? Right. So you need to go. Well, right. I actually, I think that this is the gayest moment and I actually brought this up when we were, um, remember we had that other podcast where we talked about Buffy? I vaguely remember that. It was like a weird pocket dimension. It was like when we yeah. were trapped into Spondos. We had the podcast where we talked oh, about Buffy. Yeah. We and had another I, righteous podcast that was all about Buffy and Faith. Yeah. What a cool pocket dimension that was. But uh, uh, Did Buffy it, and Faith make out in front of us in that universe? Yeah. That would have been hot. so fucking sweet. In that episode, I vaguely remember talking about how this is because of the extraness of this, because it is an example of gay extraness. Um, oh, yes. That this is my gayest moment, because uh, I believe I said something along the lines of no straight person would be this extra. <laughs> oh, I agree with that, too. So, and of course, no one has ever said the words, this is not because I like you, if it wasn't because they liked you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Right? But I really feel like both are true at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is... I really yeah. feel like it's both. It's not either one to the exclusion of the other. Yep. And then Adora tries to say something heartfelt and Catra just cuts her off. She's like, just yeah. take it and get out of here. That part, I think, leads more to what you were saying about how this is Catra's autonomy. Yeah, and also I think Catra's heart is too shredded right now to get into anything deep. That's not where she is. Catra. I know, sweet baby Catra. Sweet baby Catra, it's gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. We love you, sweet baby Catra. You gotta walk your path. Just stay strong. 
Stay mm-hmm. strong. It's going to take you three years, but it's okay, baby. Mm, it's going to be so worth it. So Adora takes the sword, transforms, and Katra watches her transform. Yes. Even though she's slightly blinded by the brightness, but it's like she's determined to look anyway, even though she doesn't look like she's enjoying it. Yes. It's like she's making herself face up to it. Yep. And uh, I have here the look of heartbreak on her face as she watches the transformation into the sword lady that takes her best friend in their former shared home. I mean, I can't argue with that. That is heartbreak. And that is just, oh. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the second when, you know, we see Shira now where Adora had just been. And when Shira and Glimmer look back, Catcher's gone already. Yep. And you know, it that was a me- very singular moment. It reminded me of uh, the scene in Sword 2 when Catra watches Adora untransform and then disappears into the smoke. Yeah, I can see that. You know. I can see that. And now, now she finally, like, fully looks at it, fully sees what it is, fully sees what yeah. this giant sword lady that takes her best friend yeah. is. I was thinking that, you know, she, she was more aware of the detransformation before and now she needs to let herself accept fully that Adora has become Shira. Yep. And has to watch it happen. Has to. That's why she's forcing herself to watch it, because that's the only way she's going to be able to accept that it's real. Oh. It's going to be okay, Ma. Don't worry. I just don't. It just makes me sad when Catra's sad. I know. I mean, same. We can watch Save the Cat again later if it'll make you feel better. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Thanks, Jenny. Okay. You're welcome. Anytime. Jenny knows how to make me happy. Yay. My favorite. My favorite thing. So Shira and Glimmer escape to the skiff. Everyone's together again. Fuck yeah. But wait, where is Entrapta? Everybody looks really upset. And they tell Adora that Entrapta didn't make it. And Adora says, then we have to go back for her. Right. And then Bo says, no, she's really gone. Mm -hmm. And then Adora immediately transforms back into herself and collapses to her knees. Yep. And they fly away on the skiff, all looking totally destroyed. And we end another episode with Adora crying. I mean, I think all of them, really. Well, no, I mean, Princess Prom ended with Adora hanging off of a cliff crying. Oh, right. That is true. This episode, she's just on her knees sobbing in a skiff. Like fair. Adora's gonna end a lot of the episodes going going forward to the end of the season crying. I mean, listen. I'm gonna make that prediction here. Fair. Uh, it's a hero's quest. It's not a vacation. Yeah, and we've made it. We've made it past the. Um... Yeah, we only have a few episodes left of season one. I know, Jenny. Oh my goddess. Oh my Math. god. Oh my god, X. Oh my god, yeah. X. Even better. Well, that was incredibly depressing. (laughs) It wasn't that depressing. It's Unless you're focusing on the last five minutes. But the last five minutes are so fucking intense. And also, you know how I feel when Catra's sad. Scorpia and Inspector Seahawk. Okay. And all his Inspector children. Himbo Comedy Hour is great. Yeah. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Meth. What did we learn today? We've learned that sometimes... Even after you get knocked down and you pick yourself back up, you're going to get knocked down again, and that's okay. Oh. And you'll still get back up. Oh, Jenny, that's a really good lesson. With help from your friends. Thank you. Aw, that's such a good lesson. Oh, thank you. I love that. See, Princess thank Jenny, you're, you're c- coming through in the end with the, with the, the glimmer of hope. Thank you, Force Captain Meth. 
we all try to bring our, our best strengths to the team. Yeah. Well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to join us in ugly crying, you can like and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also email us at heyadoracast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at heyadoracast. I have been making Spotify playlists for each episode. This week's playlist, No Princess Left Behind, is available on Spotify right now. You can find the link in the show notes or by visiting us at heyadora.gay. That's right, dot gay. Heyadora.gay! Can you believe it? And remember, queer joy is radical. And queer love saves the universe. Woo!